Welcome to Professors Talk Pedagogy, a podcast from the Academy for Teaching and Learning at Baylor University. I'm your host, Christopher Richmond. Professors Talk Pedagogy presents discussions with great professors about pedagogy, curriculum, and learning in order to propel the virtuous cycle of teaching. As we frankly and critically investigate our teaching, we open new lines of inquiry, we engage in conversation with colleagues, and we attune to students' experiences. All of which not only improves our teaching, but enriches and motivates ongoing investigation. And so the cycle continues. Today our guest is Dr. Paul Martins, Associate Professor of Ethics in the Department of Religion and Director of Interdisciplinary Studies in the College of Arts and Sciences at Baylor University. Dr. Martins holds a PhD from the University of Notre Dame and has published widely on the thought of John Howard Yoder and Soren Kierkegaard. Dr. Martins has been director of the Baylor Ethics Initiative, where he serves as global ethics research convener. We are delighted to have Dr. Martins on the show to discuss what is right and wrong about the disciplines in the academy and why interdisciplinarity matters for researchers and students. Paul Martins, thank you for joining the show today. Thanks, Christopher. It's great to be here. I want to start by just asking you to, if you could explain, decipher your title as Director of Interdisciplinary Studies here at Baylor. Well, that is an excellent question. In some ways, that's an evolving title, um, or at least the job description is evolving as the Office of Interdisciplinary Programs is evolving. Um, initially, um, it wasn't much. There has only been an office for a couple of years, but let me just say where it is right now. So we have kind of three groups of things happening under the interdisciplinary umbrella. One is area studies, um, which by definition are profoundly interdisciplinary. And we have currently four um, area studies, Latin American studies, Asian studies, um, Slavic and East European studies, and Middle Eastern studies. And we're working on those right now um, to reimagine what we can accomplish in those, in those kind of fields, but that's kind of one area of interdisciplinary studies that's been part of the university for a long time. There's a second group of, of things that are happening, and these are what we're now calling humanities plus programs. They're programs that um, are certainly interdisciplinary within the humanities, but they reach beyond the humanities in different ways. And so there's several programs that are at, at various stages in, in this kind of, um, in this group. So we have uh, medical humanities, which is a strong program. It's been a while, it's been around for a long time. We have women and gender studies, um, which has not been around for, for as long. And we have things like um, military studies, which is virtually brand new and humanities fellows, which is launching in fall. So all of these are profoundly interdisciplinary in their own way and they're all asymmetrical to some extent, but they're all rooted in the humanities and yet reach beyond it. Um, and they're essentially focused on programming within, uh, within arts and sciences. And then there's a third group of, I, I, third group of entities, shall we say, and, and in, in, in the uh, kind of loosely under the umbrella of the office. And these are what we're calling humanities plus research initiatives. The Baylor Ethics Initiative is one of these. Um, and there's an, a second one emerging right now, the Digital Humanities Initiative. And so these also are deeply rooted in the humanities in an interdisciplinary way, but reach beyond them, say in bioethics or data ethics. And certainly in digital humanities, there's, there's uh, connections, deep connections between political, I mean, uh, computer science and, and engineering with, with the humanities as well. 
So in some sense, the, the, the role I have is to um, support and encourage uh, and, and uh, the, the existing programs and growing new programs as necessary in this way. Because as, as I think most of people at Baylor are familiar with, we're a very traditional department-based university um, where hiring is done in departments. And that is all fantastic. Uh, the difficulty then becomes what happens when there's um, things that don't fit departments perfectly. And either departments fight over these things, and then you don't have collaboration like you need, or we need to find a place for these things to flourish. And that's what we're trying to build right now. That's great. I had heard of everything that you just listed off there, and your organization of it is very helpful, except I had not heard of the Humanities Fellows. Can you tell us what that is? Sure. Yeah, so this will be an undergraduate program, an undergraduate major in the College of Arts and Sciences in which students um, come in their first year. It's a, a cohort-based um, program where students take a heavy dose of, of core curriculum courses and then a substantial number of humanities courses at their own discretion. And the point here is to allow students to get a full-bodied embrace, um, a full-body kind of immersion in a variety of humanities. And, and so it's some ways a liberal arts education um, in, in a classic sense. And yet the students have probably, I think, and now don't quote me on this, but something like 42 hours of electives um, at the end of the program or, or built into the program as well. So they can second major or they can create a program around a theme or topic that they wanna pursue. So again, it's, it's rooted in the humanities, but allows for an interdisciplinary kind of shaping of, of, uh, of a program that that students self-determine in consultation with the research faculty. I suppose we should not get too far into the conversation without defining interdisciplinarity. <laughs> it, it seems like it's uh, maybe a catch-all term, but I've also seen, and I think you, you know too in the literature, some distinctions between interdisciplinary, interdisciplinarity, multidisciplinary, transdisciplinary. Can you help us sort that out a little bit? Oh yeah, sure. I've got all the answers here. Um, start with first, it's an ambiguous term and some people will use it. Some people will use these interchangeably, um, but let's step back for a moment. And I think it's helpful to make sense of these differences if we think about what it means to have a discipline. And I think academic disciplines are things we assume we understand, but in some ways they're the result of um, they're deeply rooted in many ways in the, in the uh, medieval university, which, which had faculties. So you had faculty of theology, faculty of medicine, canon law, and the arts in the 1200s, you know, the University of Paris, for example. And as, uh, as, as we move on through the centuries, you have conflict emerging between these faculties. Um, who has the final say? So in the medieval world, it was assumed loosely, at least let's say loosely assumed, that theology was the queen of the sciences. And so it got to determine how these were related. Well, in the Enlightenment, the conflict is settled in different ways. And so you have philosophy, which emerges out of the arts um, in conflict with theology and in a, in a kind of move to, de, well, to, to secularize the university. Um, you have discrete then limits of knowledge ascribed to each discipline. And so what you have encoded then in a 19th century university, which our research universities are kind of loosely based on, is very clear rules about what, how each discipline um, understands knowledge, how it describes reality, and what counts as um, truth in every discipline is different. 
And so if you understand disciplines in that way, how you understand the relationship between them gets tricky. So multidisciplinary often means, and I think the best way to understand multidisciplinary is when you have multiple disciplines talking about the same problem. And so you have, say, philosophy saying something about a problem, and then you have a political scientist saying something, and then you have uh, a linguistic you know, expert saying something about a problem. Um, and all you have is competing perspectives. So multidisciplinary is when you have multiple disciplines weighing in on a subject or a question. Interdisciplinary <clears throat> then is beginning with multiple disciplines and trying to integrate them into a whole. So you have philosophy saying something and a political science scientist saying something, and then trying to find bridges and, in, and ways to integrate what they're saying into a larger whole and a better way of seeing a challenge or a problem. Um, as soon as you have two disciplines, you can call it interdisciplinary, but usually, especially if it's a complex problem, you'll need multiple disciplines um, contributing this way. And so the, the integration that you have is increasingly complex as you go along. And so in some ways it functions the same way people use transdisciplinary. Of course, interdisciplinary emerges in the 1970s and transdisciplinary is cooler um, and newer. And so it's in, you know, around 2000, in the 2000, early 2000s. And it's the code word for that would be holistic. And in, in essence, it, it, its aim is to accomplish the same thing as a properly integrated inter interdisciplinarity, um, but it depends on your kind of semantic parsing of the two terms, integrate and holistic. Yeah, and I've read, I've read something also that said that transdisciplinary is maybe a little bit more, a little bit more hopeful, a little bit more liminal in the sense that that it, it's recognizing that some things are just beyond the disciplines and sort of take you know the tools that we have, but need to look actually beyond any 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 of our disciplines or even the the disciplinary whole right and and you i mean it depends what you mean by integrating disciplines and moving beyond because right. I think most of us would understand that there's partial integration when say a literary theorist says something and then you know 20 years later theology picks it up and integrates it into their discipline there's there's a kind of a partial this interdisciplinary like this and usually in theology it is about 20 years after um but that's a joke about my own discipline. <laughs> the, uh, but but holistic in, in the sense that transdisciplinary tries to indicate is yes, but none of our none of our tools are currently appropriate for this problem. Um, and my only difficulty in, in assessing that is well, we only come from our areas of expertise, and wherever we're going is contiguous with where we're starting. And so the hype of transdisciplinarity is we have to kind of qualitatively move to something else, um, but then where are we going and what does it mean to be there? And so I love all of the terms, but I just think interdisciplinary captures best how we move in a university in, in, our, in our knowledge growth. So as you were describing the, the histories of disciplines and thinking about the, the, the limits of disciplinary knowledge, it, it brought to mind to me something that I hadn't really thought about before, which is how this is might be related to academic freedom, because there's the there's the you know this this what is now I suppose a traditional notion of academic freedom that's very much tied to to your discipline and what you're supposed to be an expert on. And I know that this is this is very much a you know a, a, an issue for discussion and debate now, as we see in the Chronicle. You know, folks t tweeting on this or that, and then wondering if if this is quote unquote covered <laughs> by academic freedom. So, you have any thoughts about that? Oh yeah, I mean, Christopher, you've put your finger on exactly why the conflict of the faculties emerges. I mean, 
you're talking, you know, the, the 1700s, late 1700s, early 1800s, when um, philosophers were trying to make claims that the censors didn't like. And so the conflict of the faculties that, that Immanuel Kant writes is essentially an argument for why philosophers should get to say what they want to say, because they're not talking about the same things or not following the same rules as theologians are. So therefore, they shouldn't be responsible to the censors in the same way. And that's very, <clears throat> so the, the, the notion of academic freedom is deeply tied to the creation of disciplines in many ways. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's fascinating. Which as soon as you want to step beyond those things, I mean, and, and this is where the problems of interdisciplinary come up is, okay, so how do we validate claims that don't fit the criteria each of our disciplines have for knowledge? Um, and then even if they're good claims, um, how do we value those claims? Right, yes. So let's think a little bit more in terms of the, the, the practice of education. Why is interdisciplinarity important for colleges? Well, it's a great question, but I mean, I, I think the, the simple, very tongue in cheek answer is because life is like that. Um, there's a sense in which um, none of us experience our life through a single discipline. Um, we experience our life in very complicated and complex ways and our reality that we encounter is very complex. You think of simple um, health. Is health biological? And which field of biology? Is health um, psychological? Is health spiritual? Is health, um, well, any number of things. Um, what, what do we, how do we define health? And so we live in a world in which we're constantly drawing on all of the disciplines at any given time. Um, and and when, we, when our students um, experience life and when they have questions, they are naturally integrating these things um, into their own experience and into their own categories. And so what we try to bring as, as, a, as a university, it seems to me, is the best ways of thinking about all of these individual pieces. Um, and what we haven't done very well is how do we bring the best ways, uh, these, the best individual perspectives into a bigger whole? And that's where I think the future, that's what our students are asking for in many ways. Um, and we, as, as professionals, we tend to defer that to kind of things that happen outside our classroom. Um, but I think that we uh, need to take that part of our um, role in, as educators seriously. A, a historical cynic could could say, or maybe the, maybe the his, future historians will say, you know, as you brought up uh, Kant and the importance of the Enlightenment here, is that what we're seeing with the rise of interdisciplinarity is really a, a recognition of the limits of that Enlightenment, uh, you know, hard hard distinction between the disciplines without any unifying principle that for better or worse, the medieval Europe had in theology. Yeah, I think you could say that. What, what you could also say, I mean, I don't know if the, the unifying principle piece um, is a little more complicated, but I think there's ways in which you could think of simply kind of in a pragmatic way, evolving kind of um, evolving relationship between the disciplines. And so there's a sense in which our disciplines have evolved. And so there's no reason why we can't attempt to um, negotiate these uh, overlaps and, and connections uh, in ways that aren't necessarily guided ahead of time by a principle or by a particular conclusion that we want to come to. And, and I think that's the beauty of, of research is we find things that ahead of time we wouldn't have known if we had said, this is what we're planning to, I mean, these are the limits of what we're going to allow. 
Well, I love that you that you your tongue in cheek answer was, you know, essentially our lives are interdisciplinary, right? And and I've heard it said in these types of conversations, you know, the the academy has disciplines and the world just has problems. The world just has challenges, right? <laughs> Yeah, that's, I mean, what, what, what people are missing there is that the Academy also has problems, but that's, that's <laughs> a, different, a different conversation. Um, no, and I think there is real value, and I think we've seen this um, collectively over the last decade, there's real value in expertise. Um, but I think there's also long-term value in recognizing the limits of expertise um, in the sense that no amount of data that's true or that represents reality necessarily matters to people unless there's multiple kind of ways of unless people are how should we how do we how do we even say this properly in order to communicate that to people it takes much more than a single discipline and in order to shape people that are receptive to understanding that it takes more than one discipline and and it takes the full embrace of of of, of our society in terms of its multiple uh the, the, the kind of dispositions and values of our society also matter in deep ways. And those are interdisciplinary, if nothing else. So in your role, you are overseeing or, or working with and facilitating both, both interdisciplinary teaching and curricula, but also interdisciplinary research. So I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about how these two things interact with each other or feed into each other. Yeah, that, that's a very good question. <clears throat> We like to think as, as, as professors that are, are, there's a seamless connection between our teaching and our research and they, they're very fruitful, kind of mutually supporting. Um, that's not, not always the case. Um, and I think thinking about the difference this way for, for our students at least, I think the liberal arts education by definition, and this is in some ways an American phenomena, is an attempt um, loosely to provide students with an interdisciplinary education. And so we assume they can put this together themselves. Um, we haven't done a whole lot of work in, in the liberal arts tradition about integrating all of the different perspectives, but we do think students ought to be exposed to all of these things and they ought to be able to understand all of these things. And I think that is in many ways the legacy of the American education system that in some ways, I'm not sure we're valuing enough and, and, and in our inner and I think very clearly it's it's become clear in the last decades that we've kind of lost sight of the whole point of this is to create a student who can integrate these things um, as a whole. So I think part of our, our task as, as educators is to help students see these really important perspectives from our disciplines and then fit them into a larger whole. And I think at Baylor we especially we should be equipped to do that because we are in many ways are committed to um, a single goal as the institution. Now, the research piece isn't merely to kind of cultivate uh, an appreciation for interdisciplinary kind of reality um, in our students. It's to understand problems and to engage problems in ways that we don't yet know the answers to from multiple perspectives in a way that uh, leads to knowledge and leads to outcomes that in many ways transcend any of our expertise. So in that sense, in the research part, we're pushing beyond our boundaries um, and recognizing the limits of what our expertise has to bring to the question. Problems like global health um, or any, any problem within global health. Um, and and um, while well, you mean there's, there's a million problems you could, 
you know, problems with the economy, uh, you, you name it. These are these are problems that require. Um, I mean, these sort of wicked problems that have kind of, as a catchphrase, recently is you know in recent years has has risen. Uh, but there's a sense in which in interdisciplinary inquiry we need to collaborate and recognize that our contribution is only part of the answer. And this is difficult for <laughs> that's difficult for faculty whose careers are based on being experts in a field. Right. Yeah. You really put your finger on something when you identified the, the liberal arts tradition as sort of floating in the background of, of all this. Our At the ATL, we're going to be working on a uh, on our uh, our publication, the, the review, and the, the theme is interdisciplinarity, and it's no coincidence that we're having this conversation now um, uh, to dovetail on that. But we actually, in our, in our sort of editorial meeting on this, we went, we went back and forth on, well, should we include something on liberal arts? And at the end of the day, it's, it's, we, we said no, because A, it kind of seemed too obvious, but B, because we didn't know, we didn't know if anybody would really be able to articulate, and I think you've already kind of said that, could really articulate what the interdisciplinary aims and how those are achieved rather than just sort of assuming that students will find a way to put all the pieces together in some way. Yeah, it's, it's a difficult thing. And I think when, when the liberal arts kind of project made sense in the medieval world and it made sense in American Christian colleges a century ago, um, it, it often doesn't make sense, at least not explicitly, um, in the way universities function today. As, as in, in many ways, I mean, I love the university. Um, I, I, I love working in it, but it does function in many ways now like a business. Um, and its research is often hyper-focused and the funding is for hyper-focused kind of research in any one of these things. And certainly we succeed in our particular disciplines by ignoring other disciplines. I mean, that's how generally you, you move up until you achieve a certain status at which point then you can talk about other things. And I think we, we've often lost sight of is explicitly articulating how what we're doing matters in a bigger picture. I do think at Baylor with with the you know core conversations that happened you know four or five years ago in terms of redefining our undergraduate core, I think that is behind so much of what went on there. It was a, it was an attempt to rethink and to and to articulate clearly why we're doing why we're requiring students to take particular classes and study particular things because we want students to think and look as, and, and well, not look, um, think and, and understand things in a particular way by the time they're done. It's not something we can guarantee, but we've created conditions for truly integrated learning. So when you mentioned how, how traditionally faculty kind of rise in the academy through very narrowly through their through their disciplinary scholarship this this brings me to a larger set of questions of what are the current obstacles for interdisciplinarity so obviously there's the history of our of how our disciplines function in the university setting what else is uh, is presenting itself as a challenge for you, and you know, in any in any kind of position, administrative position like your your work with the interdisciplinary studies, um, you're really glad to have some challenges because it means you've got you've got a job, but it but you don't want to have so many challenges that 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 they sort of push you out of out of the work completely. Yeah, no, it, yeah, all, all of that. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I mean, the biggest challenge I think 
is not student interest and not faculty interest. Uh, I take most of the challenges to be actually structural. Um, and the difficulty here is navigating interdisciplinarity in a place like Baylor that doesn't seem like interdisciplinary is competing with disciplines. And so, especially when hiring determinations are, mm -hmm. and, and essentially revenue streams return back to departments, um, how do we get departments to think of what they do as also contributing to things bigger than their own vision? Or how do they think, how can we invite departments to think about their vision as also part of a larger vision and not in competition with, with kind of their own achievements? And so thinking of something like area studies, for example, it's great if places like the history department, modern languages and cultures, political science, um, religion, I mean, you name it, the, uh, the departments that contribute faculty here, you can bring faculty on campus that are great in their discipline but can contribute to something that's also outside of or adjacent to the discipline without competing with the, with the department because there's no faculty lines otherwise and our students are how should we say our students need these and want these and so the difficulty first is is structural in terms of the hiring practices um, second um, i would say also then i mean with with the hiring goes the funding and so there's there's no money for um, uh, yeah I mean that that should in some ways that that that's self evident and part of the the difficulty in the humanities is just our habits of thinking because in the sciences everybody is very comfortable recognizing their limits so if you need somebody who does X and you don't do X you reach out and you work together on these ways in the humanities sometimes and and this is describing myself as much as as much as many of my colleagues we naturally think there's a lot of things we can do beyond our expertise because we're good critical thinkers um, and so we're not so much skills based in as, as some of the things in the sciences and so our vulnerability is in play if we if we have to think these ways and so getting right down to kind of the way individual faculty members contribute um, and they're all with with the best of intentions are sometimes very nervous because it calls into question um, what we do know. And uh, when you spend your whole life um, working on, you know, sorts of things that, that you want to get right um, and then recognizing or, or, or having to ask other people, well, do I have this right? Um, sometimes can be difficult. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, just as, as kind of somewhat of something of an example, you know, it's one thing for, for theologians to publish and present on, on something in Augustine's thought, for instance. Right. And you, you, you sort of, you know the, what the conversation will be, you know what the questions might be, you know what the, the critiques might be. But it's a very different thing if a theologian talking about something in Augustine's thought then starts working with a political scientist who's looked at the same thing uh, and then all of a sudden you get questions that you never expected. You get critiques that come out of nowhere and you're supposed to think on your feet, right? <laughs> yeah, and, 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 that's, and that's all kind of natural. And, and the disposition, and, and I think this is generally true of my colleagues, the disposition is, is absolutely, we all want to learn. Um, but sometimes it's hard for us to relearn that maybe we don't have the best perspective or the only perspective on these things 
And how do we then incorporate what we think is important in ways that may or may not be valued by other disciplines? Um, and, and navigating that, that the collaborations in this respect are, are sometimes, well, navigating people. <laughs> and mm -hmm. for all of us, sometimes a challenge. That's right. <laughs> so what are the, on the, on the other side here, what are the, the bright spots? What are the wins that, that you've, you've been able to collect? Or what are, the, what are the opportunities right on the horizon? I mean, I think, I think all of the interdisciplinary programs that, that Baylor has are wins. Um, the, the, the energy that faculty have for these things and, and the love they have for not only their discipline, but, but communicating it and for students to embrace it and, and to move and, and to move past um, so, and to be better than we are. I mean, ultimately, that's, that's what we want for our students in all respects. Um, I see that across the board. And so there is a deep sense in which our faculty are committed in the deepest way to what's best for our students. Um, and, and the willingness to shape programs and to, and to reach, I mean, to really stretch out and imagine things like medical humanities, um, things like women and gender studies, things like the digital humanities initiative um, that are always more work for them. Um, and are, are, I mean, so the bright spots are absolutely there now. And I also think that recently administration um, through the coach survey has recognized that faculty are, are more interested in these things than, than perhaps perceived and, and is kind of critically engaging these, these questions and is, in, and is facilitating discourse and, and all of that's to the good. Um, I, we're, we're all kind of impatiently waiting to see what, what comes out of these conversations. Um, but I think we're all at least relatively optimistic that there's there's new opportunities and, and new realities at, at Baylor that are that are going to uh, facilitate um, possibilities that we haven't imagined before. So I want to finish by talking about the student experience a little bit more here. You you mentioned that students are hungry for these kinds of things. They're eager. They they want these kinds of learning opportunities. How are students enriched? How are they challenged by interdisciplinary study? It's a good question. Our, our, I'm, I'm hoping our, our students are challenged and enriched by all of the programming we do. Um, so <laughs> I don't want to pit interdisciplinary against, against other. Um, what, I, what I want to say is I hope it helps them self-consciously um, integrate the things they are learning and to self-consciously become better human beings because of it, uh, rather than um, accumulators of data and knowledge. Um, I, I'm excited to watch our students become um, whole people that integrate these multiple perspectives that they engage here and become complex um, human beings that, that are navigating a world that we couldn't have imagined when we were their age. Right. And if I, if I remember correctly, you have, you have taught uh, this interdisciplinary course, and I don't think you're, you've taught it in maybe a couple of years, but the, the fresh water. Yeah. Right. So um, say a little bit about that course and how, what, what you actually saw students wrestling with. <laughs> that was a, a pilot course uh, led by some faculty in school of education and, and uh, museum studies. And then a variety of us were we're part of part of kind of just contributors to this course. It, it was fantastic and and interesting and frustrating, I think, for all of us in different ways. Um, and I think what we had was 
a preliminary attempt to present students with multiple perspectives on what water looks like in Texas um, and focused on the Brazos River. How is the Brazos, what, what is the Brazos River to Texas? Um, so of course it's, it's environmental, uh, of course it's social, of course it's cultural, of course it's you know, part of the imagination, um, it's political. Um, and so I think the, the beautiful thing is you had a bunch of faculty in the same room trying to sort out, okay, what do we want to, what do we want to cover here? What do we want to say? Why, why do we want to say this as opposed to this? Um, I think in the first iteration, um, we probably, it was much more multidisciplinary than interdisciplinary. Um, I could be wrong about that, but I think for the first go, we were, we were just trying to sort out um, our, our own kind of what, our own limitations in this conversation and how to respond to all of these other perspectives that we knew we know were there, but we've never tried to articulate kind of our own discipline in relation to. Um, I think it would take one or two more times um, to really do it well, um, but I think students really enjoyed it. Um, and, you know, we, we had lots of experience on the river itself. And so there's a sense in which it was also kind of uh, experiential learning, um, which, which is by definition, again, interdisciplinary. So yeah, I mean, it was wonderful. It was great to get to know a bunch of faculty I, I wouldn't have otherwise met. Um, and I think the students really were challenged and, and forced to do some of the work that I think we could have probably done better. Um, that's on us, but you know, we're all trying. Right. All right. Well, Paul Martins, thank you so much for joining the show today and for your sharing your insights with us. We really appreciate it. Thanks, Christopher. Appreciate it. Our thanks again to Dr. Paul Martins for joining our show today. In our show notes, you'll find links to several of the interdisciplinary initiatives that Paul mentioned in our conversation, including Baylor Ethics Initiative and Digital Humanities, as well as a link to Baylor's Office of Interdisciplinary Studies. That's our show. Join us next time for Professors Talk Pedagogy.